passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from UpNextPostWrestling.com, and this is a return of Deep Impact. I'm joined here today by Mr. Shot in the Dark himself, John Ceno Evil, to talk all about last night's Impact pay-per-view, Bound for Glory. John, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good on this lovely Sunday morning here. Uh, big weekend of wrestling, not just yesterday, but just I feel, I feel like it was like a WrestleMania weekend. There was so much going on and so much to keep up with. There was loads going on, and we'll certainly talk about... Um, like quite a bit of what happened this weekend. Um, you and I were planning originally to record this last night after uh, after the pay-per-view wrapped up at 1 a.m., um, but I, I personally was exhausted. Uh, I don't know how John and Way have done it this last month with the, with the G1, with the SmackDown Rampage head-to-heads, with Crown Jewels and all that, because I was completely burnt out after uh dynamite followed by bound for glory last night um however you you went on and watched even more wrestling last night didn't you yeah i said i might as well i was already up in, in hype after watching dynamite and bound for glory so i just I, I put on a gcw and i'm like oh it's the briscoe brothers it's psycho clown it's nick gage versus suzuki i was like i can't go to sleep <laughs> i have to watch these three matches so uh yeah nice nice way to wrap up this weekend of wrestling so Braden and I normally do a show every week called BD Elite, where we run down the week's uh, episode of Dynamite, and that's on this uh, this very up next feed. Uh, unfortunately, just with the scheduling changes and all that this weekend, we're we're unable to produce a uh, an episode of BD Elite. But thought we'd just give a, a few thoughts uh, between the two of us on on Dynamite this week. Um, we had the Brian Danielson. Uh, versus Dustin Rhodes match in the the opening of the uh, the Eliminator tournament. Um, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, what what were your thoughts, John? Yeah, it's amazing to think this is the first time these two went one on one. I heard like Excalibur mentioned it. I'm like, oh, I can't be possible. I looked it up and they've had like you know six man tags, eight man tags, but yeah, Goldust and Daniel Bryan never had a one on one match. So this was definitely something eventful. Um, it was you know a lot better than I expected. I mean, I like, kind of going into it, I'm like, it can't be a bad match. It's Dustin Rhodes and Danielson, but um, they really over delivered here. And some of the spots that Dustin Rhodes still does as his age just continue to impress me. Like I know he can do it because he's been doing it, but just to mm. see him do it against somebody, you know, to hang in there with somebody that likes a Brian Danielson just amazing. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes is is incredible for a guy his age who's doing. It's not like he's just doing the the one match here and there. He's still wrestling regularly and putting out quality stuff. And I mean, I don't think there was any doubt that Danielson was going to win this one. 
Um, but really entertaining match to kick things off. I love um, with this new kind of Brian Danielson, how he wrestles like he's the best in the world now. Yep. He doesn't wrestle like the, the plucky underdog that he was portrayed as in, in WWE. He goes out there and wrestles like he's the best person on the planet doing this. And I love how every match so far, he's winning with something different. He's winning with the flying knee. He's winning with um, like a heel hook, a cattle mutilation, the label lock. And in this case, uh, he learned from his time in WWE because he used Roman Reigns guillotine to put out Dustin Rhodes. Um, yeah, I think what they're doing with both Punk and Brian on TV is quite interesting at the moment because uh, we go on a bit later to see uh, Bobby Fish uh, beat down on um, Anthony, sorry, Green. Uh, Anthony Green. I was going to say August Gray. Um, <laughs> yeah, beat down on Anthony Green. And clearly CM Punk is a, a big Anthony Green fan because he <laughs> ran out for the save, setting up a match for Dynamite this week, uh, Punk's uh, first Dynamite match. And yeah, I think that the kind of opponents always seem a bit left field at the moment for Danielson and Punk. But then each time you go, oh, that's quite interesting. I wonder how that's going to look. And obviously saving the the bigger names for the pay-per-views. Um, also had a scary point in the night with uh, the Eddie Kingston-Lance Archer match where uh, Lance Archer goes for this top rope moonsault. And Archer's a big guy, but we see him do a bunch of these kind of high-flying stuff in his matches. And under-rotated here and landed right on his head. Um, it was quite clear very early on that there was something wrong. Um, he looked loopy, the ref check, checking on him right away. And they just go to a, a roll-up with Eddie Kingston, picking up the win here. Um, yeah, really, really scary moment. I, I don't really know why they didn't just throw up the X and call off the match, especially with Kingston assume i assume meant to go over anyway um yeah scary moment here but uh from his from his tweets he's saying he'll live so uh it looks like lance archer will be okay but uh yeah frightening watching this john yeah i'm glad he's okay uh first and foremost but like a situation like that just stop the match like hmm. what benefit do you have of of kingston first of all you don't know what kind of state he's in he's okay now but you don't know what he is back then to have him go in and be rolled up on his head and neck, which he just had impact on, why even take the chance? Like, it's like, do we really need to see Kingston roll him up in such a, a it kind of reminded me of like when um Austin got rolled up by Owen Hart after he, you know, yeah. the same situation. But it's like, just end the match. Like, we're wrestling fans. It's 2021. We understand the severity of this. We all understand that there's an actual injury in a match. You don't have to be tough guy. Like I even heard the referee, like asking if he's okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. It's like, it shouldn't be up to him. Don't leave it up to him. You're the official it's in your hands. Just stop the match and give the win to Kingston. And if you down the line, you want to have a rematch, have, you know, Archer cut a promo. Like, Hey, I didn't lose fair and square. Let's do a, you know, a one-time eliminator match or whatever, and just do it. And uh, that way Archer can get his, you know, his, uh, you know, his, his benefit back or whatever, but like, just, just stop the match at that point. Just, there's no point of even trying that. I agree. It should be out of the hands of the wrestler, really. And it should just end. And you're, you're, if it's a matter of time, because it being a live show, you've got Kingston in there, who's one of the best promos, one of the best improvisers out there. Just give him the mic for a couple of minutes to say how he's going to run through the entire competition and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I guess the, the main event as well, uh, Cody Rhodes 
versus Malachi Black, part three. Um, Cody obviously being uh, being kind of lectured by Arn and his Glock to kind of bring out a different side of him. Uh, we had a crossroads through a table during the commercial break. Both guys bleeding, and uh, you eventually had um, Cody hitting a crossroads, and then did the Tiger Driver ninety-eight. A bit of a a new move here from Cody Rhodes to finally pick up the win against Malachi Black. Uh, crowd very much booing Cody here. They uh, some parts of the crowd were getting into him at times, but um, yeah, very much clean. Baby face Cody Rhodes here. No sense of a uh, possible turn or anything. Uh, what did you What did you make of this? And and in particular, kind of the Cody Rhodes character where it's going right now. Yeah. First of all, they were in Orlando, which is like kind of I guess you could say home base of NXT. Like they even had NXT tapings back here a couple years ago. Um, also, Tony Nese was there. We forgot to mention he was sitting in the crowd mm. during uh, Danielson and Dustin Rose. So obviously, a lot of former like WWE NXT people were there. And you had Bobby Fish and Anthony Green, all these regulars here. So I feel like this was like not like it was like a pro WWE crowd, but it was definitely an anti-Cody crowd. They did not even want to cheer him for this match. And it was funny because on Rampage, like he was getting cheers, and I'm like, hmm, the show's taped. Like, are these the really like behind mm-hmm. Cody this much, or are they trying to give us that impression? Um, but this match was was really good. Um, a lot of shenanigans. A lot of people got involved. But um, I think the result and what happened after is definitely like where they want to go with this. Um, I, I knew Cody was going to win. Obviously, he, you know, he's not going to lose three matches on a road to the same person, I don't think. Mm. Um, and it was interesting that he hit that move. It kind of reminded me of, of Josh Alexander's C4 pile driver that, you know, we will see later on. Um, but, yeah, the match was good for what it was. Um, but I think like all the stuff that happened after, I guess, is what's what they're going to go for. Yeah, I, I found it. I found it pretty entertaining. Um Good to see Arn Anderson, who's maybe the most over guy in this match, uh, hitting his spine buster. Um, yeah, I, I I feel they should maybe be leaning into the heel stuff with Cody. Um, I don't necessarily think we saw much of a different side out of him, which this whole story is he's got to kind of dig a bit deeper and and go to places he's never gone before and stop being so Hollywood. He's He still seemed like Cody Rhodes to me. Um, yeah, but it's, an enjoyable it's weird match. because like like even like when Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson kind of came out with the chair and everything and the the segment they had on I think it was last week where they're kind of like smacking him around and bullying him it's like they're trying to make Cody like this like sympathetic like like guy like oh I'll, you know I'll, I'll deliver I'll, I'll come through and I'll be better but it's like I don't think it's like really working like you got to do something quick either Cody just turns full heel or just does something else because I don't know something is like not really clicking I don't know the direction with this which could be a good thing you know because I can't really predict what's going to happen with this but it's definitely interesting to have Cody in this position but even like during commercials you're seeing all these commercials for roads to the top yeah. and I'm seeing Cody sat down in his suit with his beautiful wife with his dog with his fancy car with his beautiful huge house I'm like, why am I cheering for you? Like, you, you've got it, dude. Like, <laughs> even says um, like in the commercial, he's like, I don't know why they're, you know, they're booing me. Like, I don't know what's going on. And it's like, dude, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you yeah. know exactly what you're doing. Um, well, before we go into uh, Bound for Glory, maybe uh, just give some quick thoughts on the Minoru Suzuki um, Nick Gage match from GCW last night. For sure. And before I forget, because this feels like it was forever ago, but Pac and Andrade from Rampage, that was amazing. Mm. Amazing match. It happened. Oh. It feels like it happened such a long time ago, but it was only like two days ago. But that oh, match was Puck. just like, oh my God, one of the best matches this weekend. 
Pack versus Andrade and Chill. I think yeah. I we finally got the Andrade and maybe the Pack we've been waiting for for quite a while. That that match was awesome, and it it looks like maybe we will get a a part three for that as well. Um, because the feud seems to be continuing with both Pack and Andrade getting involved in the main event on Dynamite. Uh, yeah, do you see that? When- yeah, with Malachi getting involved as well. Just to see those three in the ring, uh, Malachi, Pac, and Andrade, I was just like, as an NXT fan, I'm just like, oh my God, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. more champions. And then Cody comes in and just kind of, yeah, you know, let me get involved with this. I want to be with the cool kids. Um, but that match was just like <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I can't wait for, for part three. And any iteration of, of those three having any sort of match, just to see like that triple threat. I know like that leaked uh, full gear card. It was like Cody versus Malachi or Miro. Like they're not sure which direction they're going to go with. Mm. Um, but I definitely want to see these three um get into it uh, as far as gcw goes yeah i mean just the weekend alone they had the blood sport which the blood sport's like my favorite gcw show to watch because it's all just it's either knockout or submission um to win the match there's no ropes and it's like guys that you wouldn't expect not that you wouldn't expect but like guys that aren't really you see as wrestlers they're more just like fighters so you have like your josh barnett chris dickinson against suzuki um marina shafir and tiger huas the former Arturo huas just to see them out of the wwe element and actually just go in there and do what they love which is fighting is amazing and every time i watch those shows i'm just like who else you know can be here like i'm like you know shibata's back can he be here danielson like how would he do here cm punk uh, bobby fish like y- your mind starts rolling about who you see next and the blood sport element. Um, as far as the show that happened last night, I was only able to catch the last three matches. So the Briscoes, which is like, believe it or not, is the probably the first time I've seen the Briscoes wrestle outside of Ring of Honor because they've been there forever. And it's yeah, the first crazy. time in GCW. Uh, they went over, they won the titles, which is pretty cool to see um some Ring of Honor talent uh finally go through the forbidden door. They're like one of the only companies that never really did that. So they came in, they mm. won the titles. So I feel like they're probably gonna keep it until the Hammerstein show in January. That's gonna be a big show for GCW. So I can see them holding it on to then. Uh you had Cycle. And that's Clown. also they, a bit of a venue for the Briscoes as well. Exactly. As yeah. Ring, so that makes a lot Honor. of sense. Exactly. So that's why I'm thinking they're gonna hold it on till then. Uh Cycle Clown made his um GCW debut. He had a fun match with Effie. Uh, he went. Uh, Effie won that match. And in the main event, yeah, Minoru Suzuki and Nick Gage. This was probably the 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 most non death match I've seen of Nick Gage. <laughs> like you know, okay. they 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 use chairs, they use tables, things like that. Uh, but there was no blood, there was no light tubes, nothing like that. And uh, Minoru Suzuki did go over. Uh, he had a uh, his gotch style pod driver on top of a uh, uh, a door. They have like those big doors that they use um, for the GCW matches. So he got the win that way. But yeah, man, Suzuki is just he's been on a run, man. Like give this guy a vacation. I hope like Tony Khan or somebody like puts him like you know on Hawaii for like a week after all this. John, I think this is his vacation. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's I think the crazy part. <laughs> the six-man tags with uh, Suzuki Gun, that's work. Um, just doing mid and low card stuff in New Japan. This is his vacation. He's in America. He's he's can, punching everyone in the face. He's loving can, this. Can you imagine him going to Gato and be like, hey, you know, I love New Japan, but can I just take a month off this to relax? Gato's like, yeah, go ahead. Just, you know, go to the States, relax. And he turns on the TV and he's having matches against Nick Gage and Chris Dickinson. And like, what the fuck? What kind of vacation is this? And Suzuki's probably like, yeah, this is, you know, this is my time away from Japan. Yeah, definitely one of the big talking points, uh, points of 2021 is, is Minoru Suzuki's uh, crazy tour he's doing. But let's get into Impact Wrestling. Let's get into Bound for Glory. Uh, now, John, I know you had a chance to watch the, the pre-show, which was for the inaugural Impact Digital Media Championship. Jordan Grace taking on Chelsea Green, Crazy Steve, Falabar, John Schuyler, and Madison Rain, with Jordan Grace picking up the win in five minutes, four seconds. Um, do you have some 
thoughts on this match and maybe uh, what we're going to see from this uh, digital media championship. Yeah, when they first announced it, there was like no real clear direction as far as like what's the purpose of this title. But I guess as time went on, we kind of found out. So like the qualifying matches for this were like happening like on 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 Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube. It was literally a digital media championship. So they had like six matches uh, to determine who would go in it, and they would find out it's like an intergender title because you have both women and men, which is pretty cool. I don't think we actually for a major promotion there is no real like intergender title. Um, I know that Sunil Dashwood originally was she qualified for this match, but something happened and they announced mm. that she can't be in the match and they replaced her with Madison rain. Um, but to have Jordan grace behind it uh, to be the first champion is, is great. Cause she can obviously go with a lot of these guys. She's done it before and she'll do it again. Um, and then later on, she would announce that she's the first ever triple crown knockouts champion because she's won the knockouts title and the tag title. And now she's won a, a third title. Um, so it was a, you know, a fun little five minute match here. Uh, see a lot of like faces. It's kind of like, like I feel like impact does intergender. Well, it's not like over the top, um, sometimes it is like with Morrissey yeah. and Alicia Edwards, but um, overall, <laughs> you know, it's it's a good concept. I think I just don't know. Like they didn't really clarify what they're doing with the title. Like, can it only be defended on like Twitch and Twitter and YouTube? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really. They haven't really said what it was. Um, but the fact that it's intergender, it definitely gives it you know some sort of notoriety. Yeah, it's a nice looking title as well. Um, I think absolutely that's the way they should go. Is make this an intergender title because you're right. Um, Impact does do intergender stuff pretty well and rather than just having it as a low mid-card title i think you're putting it on someone like jordan grace who is probably their top like just behind diana maybe their top female star um i think it makes a lot of sense and i am kind of intrigued to see where they go with this one yeah and you could have fun you could have fun with it as well like a lot of these wrestlers have like their own twitch channel be like hey join me on my twitch this friday i'm going to defend my title like in my backyard or something like who knows like, yeah it's having like a 24 7 title but like evolved in a more like digital sense and make it more fun so we open bound for glory uh, a big video package to hype up the show uh, showing josh alexander and his family and just how much this means to him um, they've done such a fantastic job with um, with Josh Alexander and with this main event here. Uh, I remember back when I was doing the the weekly Deep Impact show and Ethan Page left and they seemed to be going in this baby di- baby face direction with Josh Alexander. I remember going, oh, I, I don't know. I don't really see him as much of a baby face. I don't know if necessarily the that charisma's there or, or just um, that fans will kind of be drawn to him uh and i think they've done such an amazing job with these um i think you put in your report like prime target style yep. uh video packages just showing how much this means to josh alexander showing him um going through his his childhood in in like a low-income household and being bullied and being a bit of a, a chubby kid um to breaking his neck which motivated him even more to be a like better um you can't not root for this guy and i think this might be some of the best work impacts done uh for a long time in in creating a real star like i i genuinely think they've got a proper homegrown main eventer here in josh alexander and that that's something i think i think impacts kind of lacked for a while so so great opening video here to get you hyped for the show 
Not for sure. And like even the stuff with him, like having like the border issues and him saying, okay, if I can't be in the US, I'm going to be the wrestler store in Canada. And they show like the segment from, I think, Defy Wrestling where Scott Demore is like, you're not the best free agent out there. You're the best wrestler in Impact. And here's a three-year contract. Just see all that. It's just amazing. And, yeah. and big ups big ups to Christian, a veteran with the promos that they had back and forth in the ring and backstage just to elevate Alexander. Like, yeah, Christian's been a little bit of a dick, but I feel like it's benefiting um, Josh Alexander. And come to think that like when the North broke up and Ethan Page got signed to AEW, people were like, oh, I feel bad for Josh Alexander. He's going to be lost mm. now without, without, you know, his mouthpiece. And lo and behold, this guy's like a freaking amazing talker, uh, amazing wrestler. Obviously that's not, you know, and I feel like Josh Alexander is probably in a better position right now. I'm not saying that Ethan Page isn't like, but Josh Alexander is in the main event for the world title at a paper, one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. So um, yeah, very well done. Every, every, every segment they made um, for this match was hyping it up so good. And they've done a great job kind of healing Christian a bit, but not to the extent where you watch AEW and go, well, why are you such a good guy here and a bad guy there? It's, right. it, it's more just like a slight edge of arrogance to the character, which is, is really working. I think Christian got the balance perfectly for this feud. Yeah. And the way they did it, like it, it could always be flipped later on. Like, Oh, I just did that to motivate you. I did that to get the best out of you. It's not, he's not saying it exactly. like in an arrogant way. He's saying it in a way to like toughen Alexander up and it worked. Mm. So we opened the night for, with the knockouts tag team championship, uh, the debuting inspiration, formerly known as the iconics taking on decay uh, the inspiration start with quite a, a big entrance here with uh, singer Harley Cameron um, performing them to the ring uh, with this kind of inspiration song that uh, Cassie Lee and Jesse McKay, the former Peyton Royce and Billy, Billy Kay, are kind of like dancing along with it and mouthing along. Um, yeah. What did you think of their, their introduction here and their entrance? Yeah, definitely a good way to start the show with a big debut. Obviously, a big, like you said, big entrance. The fact that they're in Vegas, it kind of had like a Vegas style entrance. Um, I looked at this Harley girl. I'm like, she looks really familiar. I've seen her before, like on Instagram or something. So I look her up and she's actually like in a singing group with Shotzi Blackheart and Scarlett uh, Bordeaux from NXT. I'm just like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And she's also, I think, the fiance of Zion Quinn. So she's obviously has a uh wwe or wrestling tie i don't think she's a wrestler herself but she's obviously like involved with the scene and knows a lot of the girls so that was pretty cool to see her come out and, and do the theme song here um and just give them like this the spotlight to, to start the show and that's great it's the first time they've teamed up since they had the breakup in wwe they haven't had any indie matches they haven't teamed up anywhere else so to see them finally uh, have a tag match uh, after a year um and get this big presentation i feel good for them i feel like impact is the perfect spot for them mm. um opposed to anywhere else that they could have signed well, I'm definitely keen to see that group when they're on tour. Um, <laughs> and then we have Decay come out, the champions. Uh, Rosemary kind of in in a bit of a, a new look, wearing all red. Her, her makeup's a bit different here. Um, the inspiration, get on the mic before the match just to introduce each other. Um, and they say, we're here to inspire you because we are the inspiration. And they do the, the kind of former Iconics pose, uh, kind of sticking out the chest with the hands on the hips. Um, the match starts and the inspiration do their pose again. We get a big slam from Rosemary to Cassie Lee. Uh, Cassie Lee's the former Peyton Royce. And it looks like Cassie kind of slightly lands on her head from this scoop slam. And then there's like a, a kick out and like Cassie puts her arm up like way too late here. It, it looked a little, uh, it definitely looked at the beginning of this match like Cassie Lee was kind of trying to remember 
how to wrestle again. She she definitely looked a little rusty here. It's I been thought. a while. Yeah, they haven't wrestled since they got mm. released. So it's been a while. Uh, we then get these running splashes from Rosemary and Havoc to Jesse. Um, and then Rosemary starts biting the face of uh, Jesse McKay here. Uh, Havoc is just demolishing everyone. She's hitting a big bra- her big backbreaker clothesline combo to Cassie Lee. And then she's just standing still like a brick wall as Jesse is running into her, trying to knock her down. We have splashes to both in the corner, followed by a running knee from Havoc to both uh, in the corner. And then the inspiration do like a, a low bridge to Havoc, sending her to the outside, allowing them to start double teaming Rosemary with this knee to the head. There's then a scorpion death drop and a spear from Rosemary. And Havoc comes in and goes for the uh, the leg drop, like the running leg drop. But Jesse moves out of the way. And th- this looked rather awkward here, just a bit mistimed. And it, it looked like uh, Havoc actually took the bump kind of nastily here yeah i thought she might have gotten hurt but then she got right back up luckily but yeah Yeah. a little rough we then get a roundhouse kick from cassie uh but havoc just stands and screams at her we get these more roundhouse kicks from cassie and then jesse and cassie start repeatedly throwing rosemary uh sorry havoc into the ring post to take her out we get a blind tag from cassie as rosemary is trying to roll up jesse and then this really nice looking knee to the head from Cassie Lee, followed by the double assisted powerbomb from the inspiration to pick up the win in eight minutes, 58 seconds and new knockout tag team champions, the inspiration. Yeah, the match was OK. Um, it was a little rough at times, obviously, but that's going to happen. Obviously, the Iconics haven't wrestled in over a year um, and they never wrestled. Uh, Rosemary and Havoc. So you're going to have like these spots where everything doesn't really connect. Um, That's like my real issue with the match overall. Like I understand it's a big tag team. You want them to win the title on their debut, but it's like, first of all, they haven't had a matches, so they could have had some warm up matches before. And then it's like, you have, and you could use this to give them a reason why they even got a title shot. There was no explanation with the exception of, Oh, it's the inspiration. Mm-hmm. These, these are girls that, you know, they've been former WWE tag cha- champions before and they're getting a title shot. It's like a little unfair. It's like, you have all these other teams there, like at least do something, have like one match. Even Mickey James had a match on impact before she got a, a title shot against uh, Deanna. Um, so it's like, that's like my only real like complaint about it. And obviously it shows because this match had its, its bad spots, but overall it was great to see um, Lee and McKay here finally reunited. They should have never gotten broken up to begin with so it's good to see them here and i feel like they're gonna have a lot of fun um just doing promos like everything you've seen from them backstage has always been fun with the um like i have to say the inspiration now um so i am really looking forward to see like what they're they're gonna do like backstage or a lot of fun segments with like scott demore and everybody else backstage i can see mm-hmm. them having a lot of fun while being here it's a perfect promotion for them yeah i i definitely feel i completely agree i think the inspiration need needed a few matches kind of under their belts because there was a lot of rust here and I can't say that I, I love their characters. I can't say I've ever really been into them as wrestlers, but Peyton is someone who definitely improved a lot towards the end of her WWE run. And I didn't necessarily see that quite as much here. Uh, however, what I did like was um, kind of the desperation from inspiration with their, Oh, that rhymed uh, with their, their quick tags back and forth. Obviously they're against kind of, bigger, scarier women here. So I do think they played that kind of in fear role, but trying to keep 
keep doing quick tags to attack. I thought that worked pretty well. Um, and I completely agree. I think Impact, it's the perfect place for them. Impact tends to lean into a lot of comedy, uh, a lot of backstage skits, and I think these two are going to be perfect for it. And they pretty um, yeah, and they pretty much have the perfect feud going forward. Once Tenille's back, her and Madison Raider are now the influence. You can have the inspiration versus the influence, and you obviously have that Aussie connection with Tenille and the inspiration. So they can definitely play into that and do a lot of fun stuff. I think that's going to be a good, a good tag team feud for them. Love it. And um, yeah, also the crowd didn't seem uh, didn't seem too happy with this win here either. Um, there were there were a lot of boos. I, I think maybe a bit upset yeah, that it's, these it's, two it's have just old... walked right in and got the titles right away. That's that's always been a, an old TNA impact trope. They'll bring in the fresh, you know, free agent from WWE and put the title on them in the first match. So it's like oh, we're doing this again, you know? Yeah. We go backstage uh, to an interview with Diona Perazzo, uh, with uh, Matthew uh, Ray Walt, uh, the former Aiden English, and uh, he's banned from ringside. And there's basically been this no contact clause um, going into this match beforehand with Mickey James. Um, and Diona says, basically, I don't know why I'm I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting punished for all this. Uh, Mickey walked into Slammiversary and attacked me. She put her hands on me. And then when we bring the fight back to her, we get punished for it. I walked into Impact alone and I won the championship. I walked into Turning Point alone and won it again. And I don't need Matthew in my corner, but I do respect each other. We've got a good partnership going on. And this might be my biggest match to date but I'm not going to be starstruck going against Mickey James. I'm going to do what the virtuosa does best. And that's break both of her arms. Um, good, confident promo from Diana here. And I, I feel she's definitely uh, over this last what 18 months. She's been with impact um, really, really grown as a performer and become a very kind of confident promo. Yeah, for sure. I like the pairing with her and, and Ray Walt as well. Like when she was with Kimberly and Sue Young, like some things might not have clicked, but I feel like this is definitely a better pairing for her. And they they won like the what the tournament with the queen, the the queen and the king that they had recently as well. So it's a, it's a good mm. little pairing here. I just found it funny that she was like, I don't know why Mickey's attacking me. Like she's the one that keeps attacking me. This is while Deanna Perazzo drove to her farm <laughs> and attacked Mickey yes. James in front of like her farm animals and everything. So it's kind of funny for her to say that. But yeah, a good promo from Deanna. Yeah, I think having uh, Matthew Rayhop walk there makes so much more sense. He's the drama king. She's the virtuosa. Um, she's kind of the the I'm better than you. I like the finer things in life. Uh, that kind of thing. Where Kimberly especially just didn't really seem to kind of match that. Uh, right. it, it was a bit of a weird pairing. So this definitely works better for me. We go to our. X Division Championship match. Uh, this title was vacated by Josh Alexander, the former champion, as he invoked option C, which means trading in your title uh, for a shot at the Impact World title. So we've had a bunch of uh, kind of qualifying matches on Impact TV over the last uh, few weeks and leading to this triple threat match between El Fantasmo, Steve Macklin, and Trey Miguel. Um, Trey had this kind of uh, cool entrance here where he sort of had the, the spray paint, like the graffiti spray paint sound effect, and he's, he's miming, drawing on the Tron as you see the, the 
spray paint on the video come up. I thought it looked pretty good. It's um, Sp- Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was Miles Morales. Oh, of course. Type of, yeah. yeah, because he's had a lot right. of like Spider-Man influenced gear. And it, actually tonight he had the black and gold gear, which is what Peter Parker is going to wear in No Way Home. So yeah, all his entrance has always been Ooh. like Peter Parker, Miles Morales, Spider-Man thing. But as soon as he came out and I saw the logo and the, and the graffiti, I'm like, oh, it's Into the Spider-Verse. That's awesome. So I always love his uh, Spider-Man gear. We go get off to a really quick start with Trey and ELP. Uh, Trey delivering some beautiful-looking drop kicks. He goes for a dive on Macklin to the outside, but El Fantasmo grabs the ankle, and then El Fantasmo and Macklin seem to kind of team up for a little. But it's more of a anything you can do, I can do better. So uh, ELP delivers a chop to Trey in the corner. And then Macklin delivers one of his own, which is much harder. Then they're delivering forearms to to Trey. And then ELP turns around and gives Macklin a nipple cripple. But Macklin no sells the nipple cripple. I don't care how big, how tough you are. If someone's grabbing my nipples, it hurts. (laughs) And with the the sting no sell here. (laughs) Um, So... We then get a uh, this uh, Macklin just forearms ELP in the face and goes, too sweet, that bitch. Uh, Macklin, obviously, the, the bigger guy here uh, of the three. Trey is then setting up for the, the Mutalock. He has the, the legs grapevined on, uh, on ELP. And then as he's setting up, manages to kick Macklin in the head and delivers a flatliner to Macklin, uh, transitioning himself into the full application of the Mutalock. I thought this looked really, really good. Uh, Macklin gets up immediately and charges at Trey, who catches him with a Northern Light suplex with the bridge while still applying the submission. So now he's got the pin on Macklin and the Mutalock on ELP. Uh, this looked really nice here, but it's a kick out. Um, ELP then starts doing his classic showboating Walking the ropes, Trey is trying to kind of sweep the legs of El Fantasmo to knock him off. And Fantasmo jumps over the arm of Trey and this, stays balanced on the top rope. This was this nuts. Was, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. Like, I, whenever he walks the, walk, the walks the rope alone, it's fantastic. It's hard enough as it is. But to have like Trey mm. Miguel rush you and you jump up in the air and land back on the rope, like, oh, this, this kid's fantastic. Yeah, really, really cool stuff here. Uh, ELP is then doing more showboating by doing cartwheels into back rakes. Uh, I always, I always love these kind of <laughs> spots where you're doing something really extravagant just to to scratch a guy's back. <laughs> Macklin then hits a flatliner DDT combo to both Trey and ELP at the same time for a two count. Um, Trey goes for a running drop kick, but Macklin moves and gets caught up in the tree of woe whilst ELP is in the tree of woe in the other corner. And then Macklin delivers this spear to an upside down ELP in the corner, which looked great. Um, He goes to hit it on Trey, but Trey manages to get out of the way and then goes for like a handspring off the ropes. And as Trey Miguel is upside down, Macklin spears him through the ropes think the like the biggie spear through the ropes to the outside but to a guy who's upside down this might have been my highlight of the match i thought this looked insanely good 
Yeah, I love when he does this movie, this move as it is. He calls it the, the crosshairs when he does like a little spear into the corner. But to see it like done to a guy who just springboard off the ropes and threw the ropes into the outside, I was like, holy crap, that, that looks tough. Yeah. We then get a Tope Suicida from Macklin to ELP, uh, then launching himself to the outside uh, over the top rope to Trey. Uh, ELP comes back with an Acai Moonsault to the outside. Um, Trey Miguel hits his bottom rope springboard stunner to ELP on the outside, similar to we see uh, Leo Rush do. There's then a code red from Trey to Macklin for a two, a DVD neckbreaker from Macklin uh, to Trey, but ELP breaks up the pin. We get a sunset bomb from ELP to Macklin, a super Rana from ELP to Trey onto Macklin. And then El Fantasmo climbs the top and hits a huge splash, but Macklin kicks out. Trey Miguel goes for his top rope meteora, but is caught by Macklin. Uh, Trey does the matrix escape and then a jackknife cover for a two count. And then El Fantasmo goes for the low blow, which he's been using a lot recently but then you see him selling the hand and Trey Miguel reveals that he's been wearing a cup the whole time. To be honest, why don't you just wear a cup the whole time in wrestling anyway? You would um, think so, right? <laughs> yeah. There's then a buzzsaw kick from Trey followed by the brain buster and the meteora and Trey Miguel picks up the win and is your new X division champion in 13 minutes, 23 seconds. And after the match, Trey looked uh, genuinely very emotional here. Uh, you even saw it when he went up the top for his Meteora. Like he he kind of couldn't hide the fact he was going to win because he's already sort of in tears as he's hitting that move. But long overdue for Trey. I think he's someone who um, we've seen as a, as a genuine star in Impact Wrestling and especially with... Um, the, the rascals uh, moving over to uh, NXT to become MSK. You've kind of been waiting for this breakout moment for Trey for a while now. So it was really nice seeing his crowning moment here. Yeah, this is a really fun match. It's crazy to think it's the first time he actually won the X Division title because he's been in so many X Division championship matches since he left. Um, but yeah, you, you you hit it right right there. Like the fact that he signed back to um, Impact after his boys left. It's like we were just waiting for his moment. It's good to see that he finally got here. And it's crazy to think that this guy, Steve Macklin, was just like in the background with Baron Corbin playing one of Corbin's nights. And the entire time, this guy had all these like tools in him. If you would have told me this guy would have been in the X Division a year later, I'd be like, no, there's no way he can't hang in there. But this guy can wrestle. This guy is really good. And who would have known that Steve Macklin had an in him? And then obviously LP is, he's always fun. He's always one of the top guys there. Um, but yeah, really fun match from all three of them. Yeah, this is the former Steve Cutler, uh, Forgotten Sons. And yeah, we I mean, he was NXT for so long. Been watching him for years. And I, I can't say I've ever seen him wrestle like Never. this until he yep. was in Impact. He's definitely in the right place for him. There's still something about the look I think kind of needs, there needs to be something because he is still kind of a bit forgettable. And I feel yep. that's always been a, a case with him, but his, his wrestling is definitely not forgettable here. He, he really impressed me in this match and just another really great X division match uh, impact always seemed to do these right especially on the, the bigger shows, um, some really creative three-way spots. Um, I like you having the kind of bigger guy in there um, to switch it up. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. 
for sure. We go backstage to Mickey James, who says that Diana Perazzo is one of her toughest challenges to date and one of the greatest knockout champions in Impact ever. She says that's why I invited her to power, but she made it personal when she came to my house. And it's been eight long years since I've held this title. And I've been wondering, does Mickey James still have it? This to me is more than the knockouts championship. This is whether I'm worthy of holding a championship again. And she has no idea how much hard it's going to take and how much it means to her. Um, I thought Mickey sounded really good here, sounded like a genuine from the heart promo. Um, obviously, she had a run in uh, WWE, uh, like a second run in WWE, which amounted to really nothing. And um, this did sound genuine. This this is her trying to prove herself that she has got more in the tank and she is more than just being a bit player in WWE. Um, you could hear the emotion in her voice. I thought it was really authentic. I, I thought she sounded great here. Now, for sure, ever since she left her work here, her work in NWA, she's definitely like another person that you're just like, it's like a recording thing. It's like this person had so much talent and they didn't use them. And it's it's good to see people get released, not good to see them get released, but it's good to see them have the opportunity to go and do so much more elsewhere. And Mickey James is just another um, case of that. But obviously, she's been around forever. Um, she's on a perfect role right now, I feel like, uh, in Impact or if she stays in Impact, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And she's like, I find it funny. She's uh, I'm just checking. She's 42. And in WWE was kind of considered this like old, like the old woman in the company. And then you just look at some of the other characters, like Finn Balor is 40. Uh, Damien Priest is 39. And they're going like, oh, this this kid who grew up watching Jeff Hardy. It's (laughs) it's so backwards in that company. Um, That leads us to our next match, which is Violent by Design, uh, Dina and Joe Doring with uh, Eric Young in their corner, taking on the returning Heath, don't call him Slater, and maybe Uncle Rhino. <laughs> um, so it was, was it, it was Bound for Glory last year where Heath uh, was in the Call Your Shot Battle Royal and got injured, right? Um, yes, that's the same one that Rhino won, and they were supposed to uh, yes. cash in for the tag titles, and obviously that didn't happen. But then it did eventually happen with Rhino and Violent by Design. He was, you know, he was um, manipulated by Eric Young to cash in and, and win it that way. But yeah, the last time we saw he was a year ago, and the whole time was like he was trying to fight for a contract and he never got it, and now uh, he just hmm. got like the official contract on screen, I guess, with Scott Demora last week. So yeah, it's it's a big return for Heath. It's good to see him back here. So Heath comes out and he's he's looking back. Uh, obviously, Rhino joined Violent by Design during Heath's absence. And uh, Heath has been trying to kind of bring back the old Rhino, being like, this isn't you. Um, and it's been like Heath keeps on getting beaten down by Violent by Design. And it's will he, won't he with Rhino, whether he's going to help him. And Heath's been saying like, Look, my kids need need Uncle Rhino back. <laughs> so Heath Heath comes out. He's looking back at the Tron, um, seeing if if Rhino's going to come out. Uh, as uh, David Pencer keeps going, and his tag team partner, and then nothing. So Dina and Doring are just beating down on Heath. It's an absolute mugging. Uh, there's a power slam elbow combo from Doring for a two. 
and then a really cool looking running cross body from during like uh similar to clean danes the divide just a really uh nasty looking cross body here and then rhino of course eventually comes out he gets on the apron he's reaching out for the tag heath makes the tag we get a mini gore in the corner to dina a belly to belly to doring and then the full gore to dina and heath and rhino pick up the win in five minutes 59 seconds and after the match rhino and heath are celebrating they're hugging and it's a beautiful reunion don't you wish you could like go to work like five minutes before you guys close shop and just go in there and then, you know, close the till and say, Ooh, great job guys. We had an awesome day today in sales. Uh, let's go home now. It's like, come on. Take all the credit. Shit, right? Oh yeah. Like yeah. you didn't do anything, but um, the yeah. story of the match was, was what it was. And it's good to see Rhino finally make up his mind and him and Heath are reunited again. And we could have uncle Rhino, um, you know, play Santa Claus for Christmas, just in time for heaps kids. Yeah. Do, do you see, um, tag team title picture for these two um i can see that eventually because you did have like that that story of him having the the, the you know call your shot gauntlet and never got a chance to get it so i feel like it's storyline they could easily say oh, we should get our shot that we never were able to get because of his injury so i can see that happening yeah yeah I, I will say that this was lower on the interest for me on the show but um coming in at just under six minutes it didn't it didn't um outstay its welcome and it was a nice moment seeing Heath and Rhino together. These two do have good chemistry. Yeah. We get highlights of uh, Awesome Kong's Hall of Fame induction. Um, what I caught from it was, tell me you're a boomer without telling me you're a boomer. Because <laughs> she goes, and I'd last like to thank all the Impact fans for buying CDs and, and being on the internet. Uh, so great, great yeah. speech there from Awesome that's, Kong. Uh, that's like my that's like my dad. Whenever I'm watching a movie, he's like, "Oh, wait, what tape is this?" It's like that. It's it's yeah. digital on demand. I'm not watching a tape. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, good for good for Awesome Kong. Uh, she's uh, obviously been uh, such a player for Im- Impact TNA over the years, and uh, important to the women's division, and and really showed kind of her acting chops in Glow. Yeah. Uh, so so good for her being recognized here. Yeah, you had, you had Gail Kim come out there. She gave a really good speech about meeting um, Kong for the first time and and how those two like pretty much like cemented um, knockouts or just women's wrestling at a time when there wasn't really good women's wrestling. And then she kind of pointed out the fact that you had like two minorities go in there and tear the show up. And then, you know, nice moment with the, the entire knockout division came out. You even had some of the older ones like uh, Raisha Saeed, who used to be with um, Awesome Kong showed up there. So it was a cool little moment there. And, and obviously the recognition that Kong deserves. Yeah. We go backstage to Jordan Grace, who is the first ever digital media champion and announces, as you said earlier, she's the first ever Triple Crown knockout. Rachel Ellering's with her and says she's proud of her and that she's now going to go and win the Call Your Shot gauntlet. And that's when Moose and W. Morrissey come out. And Moose says, I like your spirit, but there's only one of two people going to win the gauntlet. And that's me or Morrissey. And then Morrissey just looks at Moose and says, it won't be you. And Moose looks serious for a second and then goes, huh, I actually like his mindset. (laughs) And that leads us to the Call Your Shot Battle Royal. Um, This is kind of Royal Rumble style where every 
30 seconds to two minutes. The, these intervals really varied in <laughs> yeah, this one. De- definitely um, not two minutes. A new entrant will come out, uh, but the, the difference here is when it goes to the final two, uh, it's pinfall or submission rather than over the top rope. And the winner gets this beautiful, glamorous, huge looking call your shot trophy that they can cash in at any moment uh, <laughs> to for any championship of their choice. We start with Chris Saban and uh, a bit of a surprise for the night. Number two is Rocky Romero. Uh, I was pretty happy to see Rocky here. Rocky Romero was just doing commentary on Friday night at, uh, in GCW for Bloodsport in uh, Los Angeles. So he just took the plane over to Vegas. I was like, yeah, I'll be in your match. Nice. So quite early on, they're both going for the same thing, the same drop kicks, and uh, there's a bit of a standoff. Sabin offers his hand and they do shake hands. And then Sabin offers his hands for a bit of a test of strength. So Rocky goes for the test of strength, but kicks Sabin low. Sabin delivers this big chop to Rocky. So Rocky winds up his arm to do a massive chop, but instead just pokes Sabin in the eye. Uh, a bit of fun here to start off the match with Rocky and, and Sabin. Number three enters and it's Madman Fulton. Number four comes in, Rohit Raju, and Rohit and Fulton team up on Rocky and Sabin. Tasha Steeles comes in next, and Rohit and Fulton get her on their side to team up, and Rohit eliminates Rocky Romero. Rachel Ellering then comes out and hits a TKO to Steeles. Um, Fulton tries to uh, eliminate, um, sorry, I think it's uh, Sabin here. Um, but there's a moment where Rohit gets sent to the apron and is grabbing Fulton's dreaded hair to keep himself back in. And then Saban lifts the legs of Fulton over the top ropes to eliminate him. I thought this was a pretty creative elimination here. And Rohit did well from holding onto the hair to not actually be eliminated himself. Yeah, you always have like these spots with the big man where like, everybody has to team up on them. But now, like you said, it was a really innovative here with the hair pulling. And then you had uh, Saban. I think Ellering might have helped out as well. Just kind of to toss the big man out. But yeah, really, really cool spots here. Savannah comes out next uh, and Ellering eliminates her pretty early with two pump kicks. And then Steels eliminates Ellering uh, as Johnny Swinger is making his entrance. So the camera actually missed uh, Rachel Wellerings. Hey, uh, can we, can we talk about, can we, pour, can we pour one out for Swingers Palace? Uh, we've seen oh the yeah. Wow. It's, it's just, did you actually get a chance to see the, um, the montage for the Swingers of course. Palace they had? Oh geez. Of course I couldn't not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess Duke Hudson's taken that over now, but uh, rest yeah. in peace, Swingers Palace. The, the story um, was that Johnny Swinger couldn't hang in Vegas with all these other casinos. So he had to close shop, unfortunately. Damn, because yeah, they're on the road now, aren't they? They're, yep. they're not staying in in Nashville. And I heard they're going to stay so, in Vegas for a while. There, there, there's there's rumors that they actually might stay there as like their home base. So oh. that, that should be pretty interesting. Yeah. Damn. So Swinger starts wiggling his hips at Tasha. There's there's been an ongoing thing. Obviously, Kira has left now, but there's been an ongoing thing with Swinger trying to flirt with Tasha Steeles for quite a long time here. So he's just shaking his booty at Tasha. So Tasha just takes him down, starts beating the shit out of him. Um, Swinger might have been the most over guy in this match uh, because there were big Johnny Swinger chants from the Vegas crowd here. Um, A bit of a surprise that kind of was 
uh, was leaked a couple of days ago. Melina comes in as the next entrance, uh, followed by the demon. Now, Finn Balor. Yes. uh, I did not watch WCW back in the day. So maybe you can explain to me the demon and who this is. So the demon back in WCW, uh, late nineties, early two thousands kiss the, yes, the rock band kiss form an agreement with, um, WCW to, you know, to work together basically. And their idea was to have a wrestler represent them. And they had a, uh, Dale Torborg, uh, who was just like a kind of like a jobber enhancement talent really for WCW at the time have the full get up, uh, Gene Simmons pretty much like, and come out there and become the kiss demon. And he would come out there and wrestle and it was terrible. Uh, it was, it wasn't really good. Uh, that would later end. And then he actually showed up in TNA as himself, Dale Torborg, but he's actually a current like trainer for the Chicago white Sox. Like his dad was the oh. baseball coach as well. So he actually got into the whole baseball thing. So he's actually still working in the MLB. So to see him kind of come out, it's kind of surprising. Like, yeah, dude, you know, I know the white Sox didn't make the playoffs or whatever, but uh, to see it as a surprise, I didn't expect it, but it's pretty funny how when the demon popped up, I'm sure there was one or two kids in the crowd that were like, Finn Balor, like, you know, but um, yeah, if you would have gave me an option to pick a hundred people to show up in here, I don't think the demon would have even been on that list. No, uh, I, I'm just looking at his cage match here. You, you said he, uh, he trains for the White Sox. Yes. He's a trainer. At, yeah. Well, his last match before this was a base brawl match. Yes. Against TNA would have Lance those, yeah. Hoyt in 2007. So a long, long time since this guy was last in a wrestling ring. Um, yeah. So the demons coming out to uh, this was to kiss, wasn't it? His entrance. Probably like a knockoff, I would think. Or a yeah. knockoff. Yeah. Uh, Swinger is air guitaring away to his entrance and wants an autograph from the demon, but gets eliminated. Uh, fun spot here. Hey, really Brian quick. Myers, I, know this, this, I know this year you guys did a, a casket match. If if next year for Spooky Season you guys want to do like Buried Alive or Graveyard matches, you definitely have to include the demon versus Vampiro in a graveyard. One of uh, Vince Russo's. Amazing creations. You have to, they got into a feud and Sting was involved. It was fantastic. You definitely got to go revisit the story of the Kiss Demon. It already sounds like it'll be the best match ever. <laughs> I think so. Uh, absolutely. I, I definitely think we're going to be doing Buried Alive uh, graveyard matches next year. Brian Myers comes out next, followed by his longtime friend slash rival, Matt Cardona. Um, not doing any of his kind of GCW heel stuff here. No, but he had uh, some very nice, like, Ghostbusters-inspired gear with the slime coming down and the logo. Like, that. he's obviously oh, yeah. a big Ghostbusters fan, and the movie's coming out, so that was really cool to see. Laredo Kid comes out next. Uh, we see Melina, who low bridges and eliminates Steels. Myers then eliminates Melina. And Sam Beal, uh, one of kind of Brian Myers, like, I guess, kind of trainees, um, cronies, Comes out next. Well, not anymore, because the story was this past episode, um, he got fired. Him and one of the other guys, Manny Lemons, uh, Brian Myers was like, you guys aren't cut enough for the learning tree. I'm letting you guys go. And, and Beal just couldn't like take it. He's like, ah, he thought he was joking, but we come to find out that he finally accepted his fate tonight. Mm. So Beal t- teams up with Myers to try and eliminate Cardona. Uh, Rich Swan comes out next, and this is where Sam Beal eliminates Brian Myers. So putting an end to that relationship there. Ace Austin is next out and uh, Lowbridge is the demon out of the ring. Um, So we'll see you again in another 14 years, I guess. (laughs) 
Moose is next out, uh, who hits this big power bomb to Sam Beal out of the ring. Uh, this looked great. Yep. Eddie Edwards comes out next and eliminates Laredo Kid immediately. Um, I thought Laredo Kid was underused in this match. He's maybe one of the most talented people in that ring and really didn't see much yeah. from him at all. You know, you, in this. you know what's it funny? Shout out to Dickie Bird for reminding me of this, but when they first promoted this show, it was supposed to be this big event it was, you know, with talent from NWA and New Japan and AEW and AAA. And then he's like, who represented AAA? And I thought about it for like a good five seconds. I'm like, oh, it was Laredo Kid. He was the only representation of AAA. And obviously he wasn't really treated well in this match. Yeah, like I'd have like maybe put in the in the X Division match or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah a, a waste of Laredo Kid here. Um Eddie Edwards then uh, throws Moose through the ropes and follows up with a tope suicida to the outside. So now Moose and Edwards are brawling on the outside and Moose hits a big apron bomb, taking out Edwards momentarily. And then Alicia Edwards comes out. The crowd goes fucking crazy. She's with kendo sticks. Hands one to Eddie. You, you want to hear something funny? So like, She's number 19, obviously. Um, and we already knew who number 20 was because Morrissey won a match. So the whole time me and my roommate are watching and we're like, all these rumors, like number 19 has got to be a surprise, right? Is it Bray Wyatt? Is, is it Braun Strowman? Is it Bo Dallas? Who knows? And then the music hits and it's Alicia Edwards. <laughs> yeah. Bless. Um, so they're just cracking kendo sticks repeatedly over Moose, just breaking them in half. And then number 20 W. Morrissey comes out wearing his Lacoste underwear <laughs> and uh, Lish starts smacking Morrissey with the kendo sticks. You could see, like, you see people like wrestlers who kind of thrive from these kendo stick shots. Just watch back this, this moment. Uh, Morrissey did not look happy at all. <laughs> he was definitely kind of flinching and be like, oh, fuck, I got to take these kendo sticks. Um so Lish just smacking him with these kendo sticks, but Morrissey picks her up and dumps her out of the ring. Edwards then comes smacking Morrissey with more kendo sticks. Um, and then uh, Moose grabs a kendo stick of his own, goes to hit Edwards, but Edwards moves. So he smacks Morrissey on the head with the stick. And then there's a bit of a like, hey, why do you hit me, bro? Between the two of them. And uh, Morrissey boots Edwards out of the ring. Uh, Rohit is still in the match, so comes up to Moose and Morrissey and is like, hey, we can we can team up, we can team up. But they throw him out. Sabin then shoves Austin out of the ring um, and Fulton runs back. Uh, who, the previously eliminated Fulton runs out to slam Sabin and then Morrissey and Moose eliminate Sabin. So we're down to the final four here. Cardona, Swan, Morrissey, and Moose. We get a radio silence from Cardona to Moose. Uh, Morrissey eliminates Swan, and then Moose follows up by throwing out Morrissey. So now we're down to Moose and Cardona, where it's pinfall or submission. Cardona hits a huge clothesline, goes to the top rope for radio silence, but misses and eats the spear from Moose. One, two, three. 29 minutes 38 seconds, Moose wins and is your call your shot champion, I guess. 
Yeah, the right person won. I mean, when it got down to the last four, even the last six, I'm like, yeah, Moose is going to win this. It makes perfect sense. Um, you had some cool little surprises throughout, some surprises we didn't expect. I think we we missed the point that um, Johnny Swinger got eliminated from the demon because he was asking him for an autograph. He was so happy to see the mm. demon, and he got eliminated that way. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't the demon, it had to be Moose, I think. The right the right person won this match. And uh, <laughs> I like the, the, the concept of this. You know, it's like they call it a gauntlet match, but it's more like a battle royal. And then yeah. um, the fact when it comes down to the last two in a turn, to an actual matches is pretty cool but once it was cardona and moose i'm like yes yeah, makes perfect sense for uh moose to win this and you, you had a couple storylines coming out of this you have obviously sam bale and brian myers are gonna continue their feud even chris saban and ace austin i guess you could do that feud because of fulton coming in um but yeah it was a fun little match it was 30 minutes but it, it flew by kind of quick to be honest with you it wasn't uh you know it wasn't nothing really uh demeaning about the the match at all but um yeah fun match here and uh moose is your call your shot call the champion yeah, I think once uh, once you realize you're not getting a brawn or a bray in this, I, I felt it was quite clear. Moose, yeah, Moose I was a little, winner, I, and was it a is little the right surprised. choice. Yeah, because the rumor was that you know Braun Strowman was seen talking to Scott Demore in a bar, and there's talks of him coming in as the Titan. That's like his new name that he's using, and I really expected right. him to possibly come out as like 19 and eliminate Moose and and Morrissey and get that that spot. But no, they they you know they stuck by their their own guys here for the most part and gave it to Moose, which is. It's good to see. You already had the Iconics win. You didn't need somebody else from WWE coming in and, yeah. and taking all the glory. For me, that there were some fun moments. It did feel a little long for me. This this was the longest match on the show, um, which obviously it's a battle royal, but I thought it could be trimmed a little bit. And uh, I think we could have got a bit more. As I said, I think Laredo Kid was wasted. There was definitely a portion in the middle of the match where it was just like elimination, 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 right. and maybe could have been a bit more uh, creative. But Moose is the right guy to win. And uh, I guess it was fun seeing the demon. <laughs> <laughs> we go backstage to Heath and Rhino. Uh, and Heath says he wasn't getting worried at all when it was two and one because Rhino is like Gandalf and just shows up just at the right time. Um I'd have still been like, yeah, I, I was getting my ass kicked for quite a while, though. <laughs> that, that hurts. Uh, Rhino says that Heath never gave up on him and that Uncle Rhino is back. And Heath gets right into the ca- camera and speaks to his kids. And he's like, Uncle Rhino's coming back, baby. So yeah. nice little moment here. Yeah. That leads us to our Impact Tag Team Championship match. We've got the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, uh, teaming up to take on Finn Juice. David Finley and Juice Robinson and the Bullet Club, Chris Bay and Hikoleo. Um, Bay and Finley kick things off re- with a really like quick start here. Um, there's quick tags between Finn Juice. Uh, then we get the two big men going at it with Hikoleo and Gallows. Uh, Gallows offers up the two sweet, uh, obviously a, a former Bullet Club member himself. They're trading big punches back and forth and both take it in turns to run the ropes to try and knock the other down. Classic uh, big man's wrestling stuff here. Uh, Juice gets tagged in, hits the left hand of God to Cole Anderson. Uh, then this great looking gut buster from Juice, which sends Bay just bouncing off. Uh, Bay sold this really well. There's a really quick running cow- cannonball from Juice to Bay in the corner. And then Finley hits the superplex into the frog splash combo from uh, Juice. Uh, but Carl Anderson 
blind tags himself in and picks up the win in nine minutes, 56 seconds. Yeah, this, this match was fine. It was the only match that didn't have a title change. Um, like, it's funny because like, I, like, I, like, I like a lot of these guys in this match. I'm a big fan of Chris Bay and Finley and, and Juice, really. But I couldn't really get into this match. I don't know if that, like, I don't know something about it just didn't really click for me. Um, it, you know, it wasn't too bad, but it just, like, um, I don't know. Something about this it didn't really, like, do much for me. I just feel like these, these six, I feel like, could definitely have a better match. Yeah, th- this for me was definitely when the show started to lag and I was definitely feeling the fatigue from watching like Dynamite beforehand. Um, yeah, at this point, I, it's like already like midnight. So it's like, come on, you got to do a little bit better than that. Yeah. Impact have a have a habit uh, of loading these pay-per-views with multi-man matches. Um, we've just had a battle royal um, and now we're having a, a six-man. We've had a tag already. We've had a three-way already. Um, they do a lot of, we need to get everyone on the card. Finn Juice and the Good Brothers, we've seen quite a lot in the last year against each other. Uh, Chris Bay and Hikaleo, I can't say the the chemistry is particularly working between them yet. Um, it feels like the Bullet Club name's kind of thrown on them to try and elevate them a bit, but I, I can't say I'm really buying it. And over the last few weeks, I feel we've seen a lot of combinations of this anyway. So um, this really didn't do anything for me. Um, I thought Juice Robinson was maybe the the like highlight of the match, brought some much needed energy and like picked yeah. up the pace quite well. Um, but I could have done without this, to be honest. Yeah, I'm a little surprised the Good Brothers kept the titles. I really thought that Chris Bay and Hikaleo were going to get it, especially with them kind of bouncing back and forth to New Japan strong. I thought that they were going to take the titles and possibly do something. I know we've been, you've been talking about it for the longest time with the Good Brothers getting kicked out of the elite, you know, for being a disappointment. Um, but yeah, it looks like they're still champions. Yeah, you've got, it's like Adam Cole hasn't really acknowledged the Good Brothers yet. And we've not actually seen Good Brothers on Impact. Oh, sorry, on AEW for a couple uh, well, of weeks. Well, there, there's like. reports that that after tonight's show, the relationship between AEW and Impact could be done. So if that's the case, mm. like, does that mean that the Good Brothers don't show up in AEW anymore? Because they are contracted Impact wrestlers. People forget about that because they're always with the Elite. Yeah. But they actually are part of Impact. So maybe they're not going to show up anymore. Because, yeah, they weren't on the last couple of shows, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like you could get the titles off these guys and use that as like uh, impetus to just kick them out of the elite. Or may- yeah. maybe they want that relationship still there. But I feel with Adam Cole in the group now, you don't necessarily need these two. And I think right. dropping the impact titles would be a good reason. Be like, well, what are you to us? You- you're not a champion. Yeah, give it to Heath and Rhino. Give it to them. They deserve the titles. I- I- honestly, that that's probably the the, the next champs i think yep. I, I can't really see who else really sticks to mind um you've you've kind of exhausted all the other teams so unless you're gonna form some new pairings um and finjuice i mean how long do you think they're gonna be sticking around for probably not a lot because you have is the world tag league coming up soon after power struggle yeah right so i feel like they're probably gonna be yeah. over there um so i can't see them hanging around too long i'm gonna miss their theme song every time their theme song comes on i just start jamming out davy's got an attitude Great song, great song. I love it. You hate that song. I hate it. What are you talking about? Yeah. The whole time, I thought they kept saying Debbie's got an attitude. And I listened to it yesterday. I'm just like, maybe they're saying Davey, like David Finley and, and Juice. But it's like, who's Debbie? Like the whole time, I'm like, no, they're talking about Debbie? me. Davey's got an attitude. That should be I've your certainly got an attitude. Yeah. <laughs> we go backstage uh, to Christian Cage, who says, uh, look, I don't forget what Josh gave up in, in giving up the X Division title for this opportunity. 
but don't forget what I gave up to be here again. Uh, Christian says, everyone's talking about it's time to pass the torch, but I'm not ready to do that yet. It burns in my soul to be Impact Champion. And I'm not here to just do a greatest hits of Christian Cage and smack my chest and look out to the peeps. Um, and he says, I don't think Alexander has proven that he has what it takes to take the championship. And it's a good job you wear that amateur wrestling headpiece as you won't hear the disappointment from your family when you lose. Hashtag and still. Yeah, a bit of a dick here. With yeah, the, it's de- with definitely the line a dick, about his family. But, but he's fantastic. It's crazy to think this guy's not in the Impact Hall of Fame or the WWE Hall of Fame at this point. Like, give this guy his flowers. Come on. Like, we all love Edge, but Christian is Christian. Come on. He, every time he he talks, he delivers. In the ring, he delivers. And yeah, this 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 promo was awesome with the whole not ready to pass the torch. And and yeah, good thing you're wearing that headset. Like everything about this promo was was amazing. It it was the perfect fuel to go into this match. Yeah, he's been talking a lot about uh, Alexander not being able to control his emotions and that le- like leads to him not necessarily uh, getting those big wins. Um, so I-, I think Christian, we-, we mentioned it earlier, but just has the balance just right for this. Coming in as the slight heel, uh, making uh, Josh Alexander a huge baby face going in here. Um, they've done a really great job with this feud. Yeah, We go to our knockouts championship match. Diana Perazzo defending her title against Mickey James. Uh, Diana comes out dressed like the Pope. <laughs> she, she was, wasn't she? <laughs> yeah, this this like purple cloak and this tall uh, purple Pope like hat. Uh, Why is is the Pope was, supposed to be like? It like was a virtu- choice. Virtu- virtuous is like the virtuoso, like a Pope reference. Like I don't understand the. I don't know. I really don't I guess the connection. so. And. I mean, I guess uh, Diana's got Italian background, I imagine. Yeah, that's true. That makes that's sense, about guess, yeah. as as close as I can get with yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's either that or Christopher Columbus, and she wants to be the Pope, I guess, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Mickey James jumps the bell and hits a meteora off the apron to the floor. They're now brawling all around ringside, uh, and the official bell has not sounded yet. Uh, commentary were a little confused here because... Um, striker is going oh no with the championship match the bell goes before the announcement yeah and then, i was confused I'm, too especially i'm trying to keep track of the time i'm like wait did the match start because there was a bell but then they usually ring the bell again and they did it but they say they did so i was confused as much as they were i i thought the referee started a count as well and stopped um Ooh, so that probably, they yeah. just <laughs> they then just made it go oh no that that wasn't the official bell that was just a uh an unofficial bell yeah <laughs> so they're brawling around uh, the outside. Uh, Diana catches Mickey and runs her into the stage. Um, eventually, they make it back to the ring and the official bell is rung. Uh, Mickey goes for a runner off the top rope but gets caught with a powerbomb from Diana. Uh, Mickey then catches Diana with a pretty stiff looking forearm to the face. Um, both run the ropes and hit a cross body and collide in the middle. Uh, this time, Mickey manages to hit the runner, followed by a flapjack. And then Mickey hits her diving seated senton from the top. Um, She goes for the DDT, but Deanna scouts it. And then Mickey satellites into her DDT, but Deanna kicks out. And commentary are putting out over that no one kicks out of Mickey James's DDT. Deanna then locks in the armbar 
and then manages to lock in the second arm for the Venus de Milo. But Mickey James gets her foot under the ropes. We get the Queen's Gambit sit-out pile driver from Diana Perazzo, but Mickey James kicks out. And now a frustrated Diana goes to the outside for a chair. Mickey starts biting the face of Perazzo. And then Mickey goes to the top, goes for a seated senton again, but Diana pulls the referee in the way. So Brandon Toll takes the bump. And now Diana has the chair, but Mickey scouts it and hits the mick kick to the chair, knocking Diana down. Um, we get some boos from the crowd here uh, with Mickey kind of taking the advantage here. She goes for the pin. The referee makes the count, but Diana kicks out. And then Diana starts mocking Mickey James with her, like, woo, pointing to the sky. We get another Mick kick, followed by the Tornado DDT. And one, two, three, Mickey James pins Diana Perazzo, uh, ending her very uh, long run as champion and is the new knockouts champion in 13 minutes, 21 seconds. Yeah, Diana is just like a month away from reaching a year with this title. So obviously amazing reign and uh, good for Mickey James. Crazy to think that they treated her like this old grandma in WWE. And here yeah. she is only 42 years old, like you mentioned, and still having a killer match here. Uh, good match. Um, I guess, I mean, it kind of like goes with the whole iconic thing where it's like you're giving this person the title um, just by coming in. Like they're not even signed to this company, but it's fine. I could see Deanna possibly getting the title pretty quickly back and having like a third reign here to be like, you know, solidify herself as one of the best knockouts ever. But it was a cool moment mm. um, to see Mickey James win. It was a good match overall, um, but I definitely could see a rematch happening, possibly like a no disqualification or false count anywhere match and give Deanna the title back that way. Yeah, they need to wrestle on a farm, don't they? Yeah, can have a farm match. They so can have best match ever farmed matches down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't as bothered about Mickey James winning this, even though she's coming in. She she does have history there, and I think the it is kind of the like giving her her flowers moment because she's with the treatment from WWE. Obviously, the whole um, trash bag thing with her. With right. her gear and stuff that Dion has actually brought up in promos leading up to this, um, you again. So it was similar to the Trey Miguel thing. It, it kind of did feel long overdue, even though Mickey James is new to this company. Um, I thought the match was good. I, I thought maybe they relied a little bit too much on the near falls um, with the kind of all the finishes towards the end. Yeah, um, but, each other's moves and everything. Yeah. But I felt they could maybe have switched it up a little bit more. I think we could have seen more of Diana playing with her her submission style um, and trying for the the Venus de Milo maybe a little bit too uh, a little bit more. Considering going into the match, she was saying, "I'm going to break both your arms." Apart from the one submission attempt, I didn't really get that too much from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but a good entertaining match. These are two great women's wrestlers and. Um, I think there's definitely a bit more to this feud as well. So as you said, maybe a, a step yeah. down the line. What, what sucks is if this is true about the AW Impact relationship ending, and I know that Deanna's been really vocal about this, I'm really disappointed that they never did anything with Deanna and the AW women. You could have easily had Deanna show up on Dynamite and challenge Britt Baker or Serena Deeb or something and do something. Like I don't think any women, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any women from AW were sent over to impact you could have had like a red velvet or kylie king or somebody show up and and do something but there was zero woman involvement with this whole forbidden door i feel like and diana's really upset about it and she has every right to 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think also the women in AEW could do with that, could Absolutely. do with working more matches and working in a different company. And you've definitely got those. Uh, okay, you might you might not want to send your your top stars. You might not want to send your Britt Baker over. Although I apparently, from what I've seen, both Britt and Deanna have kind of been pushing for a match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, people on the level of a, a Red Velvet or a, a Ty Conti or Ty Conti versus going Deanna? Over. Ty Conti and Deanna would yeah. be fantastic, yeah. Exactly. I, I think a real missed opportunity there. And I, I do feel like, like the women's division was quite stacked in Impact for a while. And after this Mickey James Deanna feud, I, I don't necessarily see where you go you've got jordan grace tied up with the digital media championship um you've got a few who are in the like tag division um what options do you think there are moving forwards for for the the knockouts championship the singles championship i could see possibly like a rachel ellering the fact that like she's kind of split up from grace right now because of the digital media i could see her possibly fighting for the for the title um you have like a rosemary now who's also like free from having that that title reign um, but yeah, they're really, I'm like looking at the female roster right now. I know they recently signed Mercedes Martinez as well as, uh, Masha Slamovich. So those are two new women that they're, that they're in the full now. So I could definitely see like a Mercedes Martinez, um, going for the title at some point. She actually won the knockouts knockdown. So she's owed. I just realized she's actually owed a title shot. So that could definitely be the next program, Mercedes and Mickey. Oh, 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, absolutely. I, what's going on with Killer Kelly as well? Cause we've, we've seen her pop up here and there in impact but i feel she's someone who um, yeah i think she recently said that she's stepping away from wrestling due to some sort of oh, injury. Okay. i know she was yeah she was wrestling over in wxw in germany um but i mm. feel like she might be taking some time off um chelsea green is another one that's just popped in my head they have a lot of women on this roster that okay yeah you do use, actually so. thinking of it yep um so yeah uh interesting moving forward with mickey james as the champ but that leads us towards our main event, the Impact Worlds Champion Championship. Yeah, I, I know to say keep saying Worlds because I guess <laughs> it's the, the TNA and Impact Championship combined. Yeah. It's Christian Cage defending the championship against Josh Alexander. Uh, quite early on in the match, Christian goes to the top rope, but Alexander shoves him off to the floor. We get a backbreaker from Alexander for a two count. Alexander goes for the, uh, was it the C4, the, the Tiger Driver yep. 98, but is backdrop to the outside. And as Christian goes for his baseball slide, Alexander catches the ankle and applies the ankle lock to on the outside. We then have a big chop exchange from the two. The, these guys are, are stiffing each other pretty hard here. Um, we get a German suplex, like a release German, into the corner from Alexander, dumping Christian on his neck, on the turnbuckle. Alexander then goes for a powerbomb, but Christian manages to to kind of get him into the corner with punches, but then Alexander delivers the powerbomb across the knee. Uh, Christian hits his classic reverse DDT for a two count. Um, Christian catches Alexander in this sleeper hold, which kind of Bret Hart style, Alexander kicks off and gets into a pin attempt for a two. Uh, Josh then catches Christian with a like a rolling shoulder sent on like the you can't escape setup. 
followed by this diving knee off the second rope to the back of the head, which looked really nice. And then Alexander delivers Chaos Theory, the, the rolling German suplex for a two count. He goes for a cross face, but Christian bites the hands of Alexander to get out of it. Alexander then goes for the ankle lock and Christian's trying to kick free. So Alexander grabs the the foot that Christian's kicking with to apply a sharpshooter. I, I thought this was a pretty nice sequence here. Alexander goes for the moonsault, but overshoots it and misses and gets hit by a spear for a great near fall. Alexander then runs up the, so Christian's on the top rope and Alexander runs up to hit an exploder off the top. But Christian, like grapevines his legs around the turnbuckle. So Alexander's not, able to hit the suplex he shoves him to the mat and christian follows up with a big splash for a near fall christian sets up and goes for another spear but alexander dodges sending christian into the ring post and then alexander catches christian with the ankle lock and as christian is kind of reaching for the ropes alexander puts his foot on the hand of christian not allowing him to move anywhere and Christian taps out in 18 minutes, 53 seconds. And new Impact World's champion, Josh Alexander. Yeah, this is a fantastic match. I love the finish. The fact that he put his foot on Christian's hand. Every time mm. I watch like somebody in a submission, like I always think, why don't you go for their hands? Because they're reaching for the ropes. All you have to do is grab their arm. If you, Especially if it's like a sharpshooter or ankle lock, you have a free hand in a way. Tied up, and the fact that he actually used his foot and stepped on it, fantastic finish. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of like near falls, a lot of like great back and forth with this match. Um, ex- exactly what I expected from both of these guys, and uh, very happy for Josh Alexander to finally become champion. Yeah, really strong match here. I, I-, I felt maybe the build up to the ankle lock, um, it, it didn't quite crescendo right for me, yeah, and I didn't that, feel yeah. the the crowd were kind of ready for that to be the finish there because. There wasn't kind of the the real pop you were expecting, and yeah, um, it, it kind of got me thinking. It's obviously a bigger crowd than usual being here in uh, Vegas, but it makes me think like how many of these are actually like follow the product and actually know Alexander's story because you didn't really have like too much of the fans behind them. I feel like more people probably knew of Christian, obviously because it's Christian. So it made me think like, are these actually like Impact fans that are here for the majority? Because you definitely mm. didn't have like them cheering or being behind Alexander, which he definitely could have used. Yeah, no, completely. Because the build for this, this should have been like this huge, uh, huge reaction. And I, I feel maybe they just weren't quite ready for the finish there. Uh, but Josh Alexander clearly watched that Cody match and was like, fuck, I can't can't finish with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Undo my but Tiger yeah. Driver 98. This is great. This, you know, I saw his wife and his son come in the ring. They were celebrating. I mean, this is fantastic. I, I switched over to GCW. I'm like, oh, great for Josh Alexander. What a good night, huh? <laughs> well, not quite. Uh, throughout the match as well, Alexander is constantly looking over to his wife and kid who are ringside. Um, so his wife and kid come into the ring, big celebration. Uh, you hear D'Lo and Matt Stryker are, are blubbering away on commentary. They're crying. Josh Alexander's crying. His wife's crying. Everyone's so happy. And then Moose comes out and cashes in his trophy, spears Josh Alexander, and pins him in seven seconds whilst his kid is still in the ring. Oh, God. And new 
Moose is your new Impact World Champion. Um, I've I've seen uh, quite a bit of hate online to this finish, but I got to say, I fucking love it. You know, Impact always gets shit for like their production, but I have to admit the way this was filmed, because you didn't see Moose like running to the ring. Basically, the camera was on Alexander, his wife, uh, Jade, and their kid. And you see like them celebrating, but you see them kind of like, their face expressions changing rather quickly and the camera just kind of zooms out and you start seeing like the bottom of Moose's leg and then you, you realize, oh my God, it's Moose. And before you even realize what's going on, what's happening, the bell rings and you're like, holy crap. And, and Alexander's like pushing his wife and son into the corner. They're still in the ring while Moose hits the sphere. And this was crazy. And commentary, Matt Striker's already uh, animated as it is, but he just kind of totally lost his shit. And, and this, I thought it was fantastic, honestly, um, the way it was done. Cause you've never seen a cash in with somebody's family. Like, you know, when edge did yeah. it, you know, didn't have the family in there. Like this was crazy to think like he just cashed in right then and there. I think as well with his family being in there, if Moose had just come in, Alexander would have been ready for the fight, but it's, it's Alexander like kind of turns once more to make yeah. sure his family are safe. Exactly. And then when he turns around, he eats the spear. I thought it was timed perfectly. And I think, I, I honestly think this is the right move. Um, I, I feel you've had impact kind of struggle over the last couple of years to have their like top star. I don't, Rich Swan was close to it, but I still don't think people kind of bought him as this, this figurehead of, of impact wrestling. Um, I felt over the last year or so, Moose has tremendously improved. And I mean, look at him. He he looks like a star. I think his, his promos have been very good. The way he holds himself and his matches have delivered for me. Um, and Josh Alexander over the last month has really propelled himself into that position. For me in wrestling, it's always way more interesting. Watch the baby face chase and now you're ending this impact AEW relationship. And now I, I feel you've got two actual main eventers here in Josh Alexander and Moose who can feud. And I think having Alexander chase Moose, being so close to having that moment and have it ripped away from him, I think, I think it works. Uh, and I think it's going to be good, these two going at it, uh, moving forwards. And yeah, what a I'm heel. Not, His kid's yeah, in the ring. That's one of the biggest heel moves I've ever seen. And I feel like a lot of the negativity or hate you might see online, guaranteed for the most part, is people that don't follow the product, people who haven't been seeing the rise of Moose. They just know the name Moose. They're like, oh, this guy came in and, and cashed it in. Like, no, Moose deserves to be champion. This guy was going through a lot. I had the whole thing with the, the fake TNA world champion and this and that. So I think this is the perfect person. Like, honestly, would you rather have this role for a Braun Strowman. Imagine if Braun Strowman came in, won the Battle Royal, and then cashed in. That would have been god-awful. But somebody like Moose, that makes a lot more sense because he's an impact diehard guy. He deserves to have the title. And like you said, it's the perfect storyline. I know they announced their next pay-per-view is in Texas on January 8th for Hard to Kill. That's your main event, Josh Alexander and Moose. Um, I was thinking like, does maybe once Moose won the 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 shot, the call your shot, I'm thinking like scenarios in my head. I'm like, okay, if Christian retains, maybe Moose can show up on Dynamite and cash it in there. But then I thought about, okay, if this relationship is ending, they got to put the title on uh, Alexander. And it kind of like came to me maybe a couple minutes before. I'm like, you know what? Moose is going to cash in tonight, isn't he? As soon as I saw the wife and the kid ringside, I'm like, I didn't expect them to get into the ring. I thought it was going to be like more of them looking on in horror from the outside. Mm. But um, it was perfect. And the whole way it was filmed and the way they went off the air, just 
you know, the horror of this match and what happened and it's perfect. And it brings, it gets more people talking about impact, which is good. Cause a lot of people, they don't talk about impact and this definitely gives them something to, to, to speak about. Also, I don't want to see this huge guy in moose carrying around this stupid little trophy. <laughs> it, it just looks ridiculous. Just get the belt yeah. on him. That's probably um, exactly what he was thinking. He's like, he probably looked at it. He's like, I'm not taking this shit to the hotel. I'm using it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so turning point is the next pay-per-view. You don't, you don't think you'll be going to this, uh, this rematch there. You think it's going to be in Texas or you think they're going to have yeah. a run of matches? Yeah. Cause I think hard, hard to kill is the next big, like proper pay-per-view. The turning point is more of like one of those like impact uh, plus shows. Mm. So I can see, um, I can see maybe, I don't know if Christian's going to hang around, but I can see maybe Moose and Christian have a match or something. Um, I can see maybe like Alexander being like sidelined and not able to wrestle at turning point just yet and just doing something else. You could even have a uh, Morrissey. I know Moose and Morrissey, um, they had a little scuffle at the end there. So that could be possibly the first match there. But yeah, I, I feel like they're going to hold off for that big crowd in uh, Texas for this match. I mean, if you can have Christian stick around uh which i i don't report so that maybe this is coming to an end but you could always do a three-way like he's due a rematch and alexander's due a rematch to kind of push it off if you want to wait till hard to kill yep. um but yeah I, I also feel beyond moose maybe you don't have the challenges for josh alexander yet so having moose's champ uh makes sense but yeah I, I thought this was the right move um really enjoyed the match good kind of swerve finish to close the show and get people talking um i i thought this was a pretty solid pay-per-view actually from from impact there were there were certainly some things i i didn't like so much i, I the tags didn't really do a great deal for me like any of them but i thought you had a really good match in that three-way for the x division championship and uh i thought the two main title matches uh delivered as well yeah, you brought up the X Division match. Another th- scenario that popped in my head is possibly like um, the same way that Alexander cashed in his option C. I can see possibly a Trey Miguel cashing in against Moose and actually failing and not winning the title. And that way, kind of like build uh, Miguel back up to possibly going after the world title eventually. That's a, I can see that like a Miguel Moose match. I know they've had history in the past as well. But yeah, I think it was a solid pay per view um, up and down. Like he's like, a couple low points with the tag matches, maybe even the battle, the gauntlet match. But uh, overall, definitely a show I would recommend. I would check, tell people to check out um, at least the last two matches with the women, the knockouts title and the world title, as well as the uh, X Division title. Those are the three matches I would definitely check out. So we threw up feedback on forum.postwrestling.com to see what you guys thought of the show. Um, Sino, do you have the, the page open at all? I do. Do you want me to start oh, here? Okay. Well, let's go to the, the rating first. What, what would you have given this show, Sino? Uh, probably a 7.5. 7.5. Well, yeah. the average rating, according to you guys, is a 7.38. So ah. definitely one of the higher uh, high ratings for an impact show. Um, and if you want to start off with uh, a returning Paul from New Jersey. I feel like Paul from New Jersey, I haven't heard his name in such a long time. He like went into hibernation as soon as uh, uh, the, uh, the Iconics got released. And we haven't heard from him since. And look at this. Lo and yeah, behold, pretty much. He's back. Apparently it's 200 <laughs> days, according to. <laughs> Paul from New Jersey, 200 days. 200 days I've waited to see Jesse and Cassie debut somewhere. And needless to say, I'm happy. I'm glad they went to Impact. I feel as though they might have gotten lost in AEW. 
Impact does tend to utilize most of his roster, which I don't think they get enough credit for. The show itself was okay. I thought Josh Alexander should have kept the title at the end. I will say I did find it funny that Alexander's wife and child were in the ring to watch Moose take the title. Overall, I had fun watching the show. He thought it was funny. You, Paul, go. what's wrong with you, Paul? That was a uh, heel despicable move. It's not funny. Yeah. I miss you, Paul. We go to Brandon from Oshawa, who says, not sure why I give in and end up watching some of these impact shows. I only decided to because I thought something or someone surprising might show up. And in typical TNA fashion, <laughs> we get the kiss demon. I don't, it, to be fair, have impact really been, it's not been like Slammiversary where they're going really hard on surprises, surprises. Um, no, I think I think maybe like the fact that it's like their WrestleMania and also when they first initially hyped it up, they hyped it up as like this big multi-promotional show and it really didn't sure. end up being that. So He goes on, I don't think the AEW Impact Partnership was what anyone was hoping it would be. I did enjoy seeing the Good Brothers in AEW and I will miss them if this partnership is over. I would have liked to see more women cross over and I think Impact dropped the ball on building one of their own to take the title back. Yes, Josh Alexander has been built well to the main event level, but that should have been the ultimate goal of this story, not immediately transferring the title to Moose. I don't hate that finish. I just don't think they got what they should have out of everything. We go to Kate from Montreal. Though there was some good stuff on the show... Uh, thought, I'm sorry, thought there was some good stuff on the show. The men's tag match was fun, although it was undercut a bit by the finish. I'd rather anyone but Chris Bay to have taken the pin. I thought the women's title match was the best one Peraza has had since she beat Jordan Grace to win the title, which seems fitting. But oh man, to translate an expression from my Cueba, Cueba I can't pronounce that, Quebecois? Quebecois. 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 Uh, they're going to eat a car of shit over that ending. <laughs> I don't hate the idea of a cash in, but it seemed like a stunt more than a serious plan. I guess the idea is that Alexander will become an even bigger baby face by seeking to avenge the loss. Time will tell. Gave me some serious Kenta attacking Naito or Wrestle Kingdom vibes, except mm-hmm. that at least Naito got to keep his belts. Yeah. Would you rather have, would you think like an attack would have been okay if he just came out and just like destroyed, um, Alexander in front of his wife and kid, like still have them in the ring, but just have them beat them down and kind of hold the trophy. Like I'm going to cash in type of thing. Would that have had the same impact for you? Not for me. No, I, I like this move. Uh, I thought the cash in was, was a great move. And I think, yeah. uh, I, I hope as Kate said, we'll see, we'll see in time, but I, I'm hoping this is the idea to actually build uh, Josh Alexander up as a bigger baby face. Like, yeah, Hey, look so. at, yeah. Look at the Daniel Bryan story. Everyone wanted him to beat Cena at SummerSlam. And then he was cashed in right away. And you could argue, even if even if that was the plans or not, it made him go from a big star to like a mega star, that whole title chase to WrestleMania. So time will tell. But I, uh, I think Moose, Josh Alexander, this feud will work. We go to Jomo, who says, don't get the much... Uh, Don't get the negativity on the ending. I understand not always going for the heat, but Moose has been ready for a title run since he turned heel in 2018 and has the ability both in the ring and on the mic to be the big bad that Alexander eventually overcomes. Sorry, but Christian ain't the big bad. That match fucked, but I doubt we see him in 2022, to be honest. So making a top heel who is despicable enough to murder you in the ring or your family is celebrating your crowning achievement and commentary is crying on your behalf seems like a great way to have a 1A and 1B going forward. John Cena needed an edge and Josh Alexander needs a moose to keep things interesting. 
Otherwise, great pay-per-view. Glad I bought it. Final point. Thank the final thank the flying spaghetti monster that a major company is willing to present intergender wrestling. And for the people who say it's not my cup of tea, good performers are good performers. If you don't think, say, Josh Alexander and Jordan Grace can put on a banger because one's a man and one's a woman, pull your head out of the sand. Def looking forward to Impact Television. Do you guys plan on bringing back Deep Impact at all? Um, with uh, Deep Impact, unfortunately, uh, with lockdown kind of being over and working another job as well, it's, it's very hard to... Um, I, I need some downtime as well. So we'll probably keep it uh, just the the wonderful impact reports from Sino and then uh, these pay-per-views. Um, I enjoyed doing Deep Impact. I enjoyed watching it weekly, but there's only so many hours in the week, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and Jomo's points about uh, intergender wrestling. There, I'm I'm definitely for it. I'm I'm with him. Good, like good performer is a good performer, and we know this is make believe. And we watch Scar- uh, Black Widow fight men all the time in in marvel like i don't see why not um that brings me to uh we were talking off air about potential minoru suzuki opponents Mm. and i think a real left field one for me which i would have a lot of intrigue for is suzuki jordan grace for the digital media championship Oof, that'd be crazy. Yeah, a lot of people were somehow expecting Suzuki to show up last night, even though he was already in Los Angeles fighting Nick Gage. Um, but yeah, he's slated to to have shows, uh, have matches tonight and tomorrow. So yeah, definitely got my mind thinking. Jordan Grace would be great, uh, Suzuki and Grace. But I could see Suzuki and Eddie Edwards have a match. Uh, Suzuki and Moose that could be a match they could do at the Turning Point show if they wanted to do mm-hmm. that. Um, there's definitely a lot of matchups they could do there. Of course, um, Suzuki and um, and uh, Johnny Swinger, of course. And uh, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to bring down the mood. I didn't want to do this, but I have to ask: um, How do you feel about AC Romero finally being gone from Impact? I'm gutted. I wanted the the Minoru Suzuki AC Romero match. Um, we can still get Larry D. I guess, D. We can, we can I guess we'll have to settle for Larry D. Minoru Suzuki. Uh, but obviously, Suzuki Josh Alexander is something I'd like yes. to see. Um, I think you mentioned Edwards. Is his, his style probably works? Yep. Callahan, if he was if he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, would be good, but obviously he's out for the moment. Um, but yeah, the 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 crazy tour of Minoru Suzuki continues, and definitely excited to see him in Impact. Yeah, I feel like where is he going to go next? Like the only places he haven't gone to is WWE and maybe like an MLW. And when I thought MLW, I'm like Suzuki and Jacob Fatu. That would be a fantastic match if they do that down the road. Mm. So that's it. That's our thoughts on Bound for Glory 2021. Um, Sino, what have you got coming up? Thank you so much for joining me on this. Uh, it's been a huge week for wrestling. So many shows this week. Yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out already, check out my reports on Bloodsport as well as a more thorough report on Bound for Glory, um, my weekly shows for MOW and Impact Wrestling, as well as the weekly Shot in the Dark shows every Wednesday morning on the Up Next feed where I talk about NXT UK, AEW Dark. I know that they're taping back in Orlando today since they're already in Orlando, so there should be some interesting thing happening happening there. I'm pretty sure Brian Danielson is slated to wrestle on the Dark tapings as well as this mysterious partner, of Fuego do Sol that nobody really knows who it is. All we know is he has a tattoo here that says dream. So we're not too sure who this masked <laughs> luchador might be. Um, so that should be pretty interesting the next couple of weeks with the dark tapings. Um, and that's it. And I guess you can catch me next week on Halloween four. 
talking the return of Michael Myers with you and Brayden. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a lot of shows both on this free feed and on the Patreon. Um, just this last week, we had our um, our review of Dead Set, the Big Brother zombie TV show uh, on the Patreon. We were joined by world champion Tony Arthur. We're also joined by Jared Black on the Patreon talking all about Child's Play, um, the, the original Chucky movie. And on this free feed, we dropped the first episode of The Sesh. Uh, I was joined by our man Neil Flanagan talking all about episode one of season three of Succession. Uh, this is a show that moving forward is going to be on the Patreon. And I'm happy to announce that next week joining me will be Wei Ting talking all about episode two of this season of Succession. It is the best show on TV. Uh, a lot of fun talking about that. So check out that. Um Coming out today is our episode of Was Next, talking about the June 12th, 2013 edition of NXT. This is the big, big title match. Bo Dallas taking on Big E Langston for the NXT title. Plus, you get Cesaro versus Sami Zayn in the opener of their epic NXT feud. Like more shows coming out. Sorry, Go really quick. It. I started. I started to listen to that this morning, and I, I need a listener, somebody to tell me which Sandra Bullock movie is Davy referring to about her husband being the killer in this. It really got me intrigued, and I'm, I, I like to answer questions when it comes to movies. And I couldn't figure out what movie this is. I I woke up and I texted Davy like, "Who is? What movie is this?" And nobody knows. Sino, legit. I've been asking this question for maybe fifteen <laughs> years. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I just dreamt this film or what, but yeah, go and listen to that episode of Was Next, and let me know what this film is with Sandra Bullock. Next week on the Patreon, we have, uh, we're joined by Chris Leone talking all about the Twilight Zone. Uh, we did this episode last year where he picked four classic episodes of the Twilight Zone. He's picked four more for this year. Uh, so check out the Patreon to find out what episodes we're going to be talking about. And then we've got a throwback review of Halloween Havoc 1996, getting us all hyped for this year's Halloween. And then Sunday, the 31st, Halloween itself, uh, we will be dropping our review of Halloween for myself, Braden, and John Ceno. That will be for free on this very feed. But also, it's a huge week for NXT because it's Halloween Havoc this Tuesday. And we are going to be hosting a Halloween party, a costume party, a live watch along of Halloween Havoc. So if you are a patron, you'll be getting all the information for that. Get your costumes ready. Last year was a lot of fun um, and it's going to be fun too this time. So if you're not a patron, you can tune in on twitch.tv slash podcast for the watch along and stick around for our post show at 10.15. And we'll be back to our regular Wednesday slot for BD Elite 10.15 p.m. on the Twitch. Patreon.com slash upnext. Uh, I think that's all the plugs in the world. A lot going on this Halloween because it is spooky season and we love spooky shit in the BDE. But thank you very much, John, for joining us. Tell everyone, where can they find you? They can find me on all your social medias at CNOEvil, C-N-O-E-V-I-L. And you can find me on all the socials at David Portman and give up next to follow at Up Next Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today, guys. Take care. Be safe and new. Ahoy! Oh,